We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up? Summer time in the NBA, Nicholas, but it's good to be talking Brooklyn Nets wins. Yeah, Brooklyn Nets wins. They won at home tonight, 125-115 over the Pistons. Very nice win. Obviously, needed for the playoff standings. A couple players in the team took the loss of Kobe Bryant very hard. So very positive for the team to stick together and pull this out. And as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, where do you want to start with this one, or did you want to spend a minute and talk about Kobe Bryant? I mean, we could, Nick. We could start off with, you know, I think Kyrie's comments on, on Kobe Bryant and, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's number change. There's, there's a couple of elements there. We're seeing it all around the NBA. The impact that he's left on the sport and on the world in general is massive. Do we want to touch on some of Kyrie's comments? And the fact that he's back, I'm sure, was just, it, it was positive. It was emotional. It was a, a whirlwind of emotions as this whole sort of experience has been the past two or three days. Yeah, it really has. I mean, we could touch on Kyrie, can touch on Spence, and I just felt like getting the win did help because it was you yeah. could tell it was such a tough moment for Kyrie to be out there. And I think Spence to an extent, too. I think people just, you know, look to the bigger name players like a Kyrie Irving or a LeBron James. But, you know, Kobe had his impact on every player in the league and every fan in the league in some way or another. You know, we went I know we both went more in depth on our NBA general podcast. We won't talk too much about it, but I thought with Kyrie and Spence, they're two guys that stuck out for the Nets. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, Spencer's comments the other night after the Knicks loss were heartbreaking in so many ways. And, and the raw emotion, uh, I, I mean, it, it's tough to see, but it's also really positive. It, it's, there's two, two sides to it. And I'll touch on some of Kyrie's comments after the game and, and his relationship. And he said that then the origins of the relationship, I guess he said, I asked him for help four to five years ago. I asked him for help, and I don't think I was ready to be a mentee at that point. Some ancient texts say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I had that type of mentorship relationship with him where I was able to ask him anything, no matter how nervous or how fearful I was. It was easy to approach with those type of questions about what goes in day in, day out on the basis of chasing something bigger than yourself. Kyrie is, I think, maybe no more than any player in the NBA. Kyrie is a reflection of Kobe Bryant in so many ways. Yeah, you can see it, you know, not only with his attitude and his personality, but also in some of his his game. You know, you see some moves out there that remind you of Kobe. So just that whole fact of him getting on the court and playing tonight. And we know he had to miss the next game. And as soon as he heard the news, he had to go home. And you could tell it was just a real struggle. So hopefully this is a step moving forward for him. And, you know, pointing to the sky afterwards when the game was over and the Nets had kind of sealed the deal and hugging his teammates and Coach Kenny, I thought that was just great. I think that the the Brooklyn love was on display tonight, and, yep. and I think that as as tragic as this this whole experience with Kobe, Gigi, and and the seven other passengers on board. I'm sorry, I don't know their names off the top of my head. It is it's an emotional time, and it just makes you think about things bigger than basketball. But it also gives you a fact of like how powerful this game can be as well. There's just so many layers to it all, and. Kyrie Irving, the strength that he has shown and, and a lot of the empathy that's been shown from, from so many people as well. And, and I think that the, the Brooklyn Nets, the organization, the, the fandom, the NBA in general has just really rallied around each other in a really, really lovely way. And, and I think that, you know, love is, is what sort of gets you through these really tough times. It sort of really makes you re-engage with, with what's important. As, and as important as this game is, Nick, and I love talking about hoops with you, you know, it's almost, it's bigger than that. And, and the love that I have for this Nets team, you know, it's, it's usurped for just, you know, the relationships that like I've built with you and with Corey. And I know it puts things into perspective as much as we love these players. And I, I didn't expect myself getting so emotional about it, but it's, it's bigger than basketball and, and Kobe is bigger than basketball. He's larger than life. And, you know, Gigi is, is such a, a little young number seater as well. It's, I know it's hard, it's hard to put into words even two, three days later. Yeah, it really is. It's something I think I mentioned to Corey, I think it's going to carry on the entire season, just yeah. you know that that sadness. But like you said, I think there is plenty of positives to take from it, not just in the Nets perspective, but just in general, the basketball world coming together, the NBA world coming together, just everybody comforting each other. And, you know, we could dive into this topic the entire show. Like I mentioned, we kind of already talked about it and we want to try to be positive. So let's get to the Nets game, 125-115 win at home. In a game the Nets really needed to win against a team that's getting close to them in the standings. So, Nick, things started off quite close. Was there, Did you expect the Nets? Let's talk about the first half. The Nets at the half were two points up, 70 to 68. Did you expect them to sort of run away with it? Did they have some momentum to end that second quarter? How are things going in those first two periods? So the first quarter started out, the Nets had some really nice energy. You know, they were playing hard. Jared Allen had a couple moments. Kyrie had a couple moments. They had... You know, six to eight point lead. Bench comes in. They give up that lead to Detroit. You know, it's down to like two or four. Then we get to the second quarter. Nets are kind of losing momentum. Then something happens later in the second quarter and they start to get some things going. And you're like, okay, they can win this game in the second half. They come out strong, uh, the start to third. And then you feel like, all right, the Nets are going to win this game. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the Nets weren't outscored in any of the quarters today. 32 to 30 in the first, 38 apiece in the second, 29 to 25 in the third, and then extended that lead again in the fourth. Let's get to some of the players, Nick. The starters, Torian Prince, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, Kyrie Irving, Garrett Temple, all of them were positive and plus minus. Who stuck out to you out of, out of the big starters, the big five? Jared Allen. Numbers don't really pop, but he dominated Andre Drummond. He really he owned Andre Drummond for the first time in his career. You know, last game they both had really good games. It got to the point where I think he blocked him three times in this game on two dunk attempts, and he didn't want to go back up against Jared Allen. I also thought Allen did a great job of taking the contact from Drummond and not getting moved and be able to still react and block the shot or defend it. This was one of his best games going against a, a superior, you know, size and strength athlete in Andre Drummond. And he's had trouble with him in the past, even earlier this season, Nick. So we are huge growth game. Oh, massive growth game. Three to four from the line, four to seven from the field, six rebounds, two assists, one steal. But the four blocks. I mean, the man is an absolute monster. He fears no one that comes up against him against the rim. No matter if you're seven, if you're Bovan Marjanovic or LeBron James, it don't matter. Jared Allen is going to make sure that you know where he is. He, I think that he is what a prototypical modern NBA center is you look beyond the numbers you don't look at I think it's almost like the antithesis to what Andre Drummond's game has been and I know Corey and I do rate him quite highly in the OGD top 50 and obviously of late there is obviously the trade memories which have affected his form but Drummond is a sort of numbers guy that looks a little bit flashier on paper whereas Jared Allen is a guy where it's just like you have to watch the game to see his impact not only the shots that he does block but the shots that he alters his ability to get out onto the perimeter and to switch on the guys he continues to impact the game in a really positive way. And for those that just look at the box score, don't look beyond that. Yeah, I really love the game from Jared Allen. I'm excited to see what he can do to build off of this game going against bigger centers. He also has a nice stretch against bad teams. Could help him get some confidence and some better chemistry. He also had a monster dunk. Andre Drummond did catch him once in this game with a dunk. Next play down the court, Allen threw down his own on Morris. Uh, yeah, he ain't going to let it. He's, he's, he's got a memory bank. My boy Jared Allen is, is low-key getting pretty aggressive. Really impressed with, with the young guy's form, and, and he's going to continue to grow, no doubt, like you mentioned, Nick. Kyrie Irving, 7-16 from the field, 20 points for him, 5 assists, 2 steals. Obviously, four turnovers isn't amazing, but a, a game where did it seem cathartic for him? Had, did he look like he was in his head? Was it classic Kyrie? What was this performance? What stood out for you, Nick? You know, it wasn't a great Kyrie game. It wasn't a bad Kyrie game. I'd say it was a good game. You know, nothing too crazy. You know, as a superstar player, so 20 points isn't going to, you know, make you jump out of your seat. And you could tell at times he just wasn't completely, like, locked into the same mode. And it just was just, you know, a game where he didn't necessarily have it locked in, where it wasn't like he was hitting every single shot. And, I mean, you you don't expect him to. A couple uh, really good hustle plays, though. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think we've sort of noticed that of late with, with Kyrie Irving. You know, two steals from him. You know, Toyn Prince had four steals. And I think we should get to him, Nick. It seems to me, anytime Kyrie Irving and Toyn Prince on the floor, he has, Kyrie has a really positive effect on Toyn Prince's output. Yeah, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it feels like Toyn Prince is very good when he's completely wide open. And when you're playing with a guy like Kyrie Irving, he's just going to give you that much more space. And I also thought Prince did a nice job tonight with his decision-making and not shooting the contested threes and looking to get the wide-open looks and then kind of attacking inside when he had the opportunities. You know, he did have the four steals. He was beat on backdoor cuts three or four times this game. So it's one of the typical Prince games where he has those really great moments. There's just a couple moments where you just wish he could fix those mistakes. 
I mean, yeah, the box score looks pretty nice, Nick. 22 yeah. points, seven rebounds, a dime, four steals, four of eight from three, nine of 16 from the field. You know, he took the most shots tonight with Kyrie Irving, which is something that you're not expecting to see from, from Torian Prince. But, you know, good to see. I mean, he's he can be an inconsistent performer, but when he produces these nights, it, you, you remember why the Brooklyn Nets traded for him, why they wanted to get him into their system. And, you know, obviously against the Detroit Pistons team without Blake Griffin and, you know, obviously a bit of a weaker front line outside of Andre Drummond, it certainly does help. But uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think we'd be remiss not to get to him right next, Nick. I, he was the Nets' best player tonight, I'm assuming. Yeah, he just cooked it. You know, he just got in that mode in the third and fourth quarter and he was just driving, put his head down. And then he also hit a couple pull-up threes. He was locked in. Number 26, Spence, is nice. He looked like yeah. he's back getting to his all-star ways. This was reminded you of what you saw a couple weeks ago when we were doing that all-star campaign for him. He's back at that level tonight. Hopefully he can keep it up. And look, I mean, Kobe Bryant's words probably carry a little bit more gravity than mine and yours, Nick. <laughs> Maybe slightly. I think they'll probably have an impact on Spencer more. But we certainly do think that Spencer Dinwiddie is a damn fine all-star. And the way he's been playing, 8 of 13 from the 8 of 11 from the line, 4 of 8 for 3, probably his best performance off the top of my head from the season uh, from the three-point line and, and still affecting the game and, and, and opening up his teammates uh, with six assists and only one turnover. You know, all-star Spence and Spence and Kyrie, they're, they're continuing to, to build a nice synergy. Was there anyone else off the bench that stuck out to you at all, Nick? You know, I thought Karras had a solid game. Nothing too crazy that really pops off the stat sheet, but I didn't think he did anything bad. Hit a couple mid-range jumpers in this game, which I think is a nice add to his game because we saw a little bit of struggle in the previous matchups where he's going inside, getting a little too deep, and the defense can almost anticipate what he's going to do. You could tell tonight he hit a couple mid, uh, mid-range jumpers, and the defense wasn't necessarily ready to defend that. I think with Karras... Are you worried about the inconsistency, Nick? What do you think his role is right now with this team? Is he having to readjust to being the team's third best player despite at the start of the season he was you know, essentially a starter? Should he be back in that starting lineup? Do you think that would help his production? Do you think that would help him playing alongside Kyrie a little bit more rather than running the second unit? Does he look comfortable out there? I know I threw about eight questions at you, <laughs> but I expect you to ask, answer them all. Yeah, you know, just to really touch on it all, I just don't think he necessarily looks 100% comfortable yet. And I don't know if it's just on the court, missing time with the injury, or the fact is his role is just fluctuating from game to game or stretch to stretch where one moment he has the ball in his hands a lot. You know, a game like tonight, we didn't necessarily put the ball in his hands as much. So it's like, I think he's just trying to adjust. He's still, you know, a somewhat young NBA player. I have confidence he'll get back to a level. I don't know if he'll get back to taking that second best, second best player in the team mantle, but I think we can expect him to improve as the season progresses, especially defensively because we're still seeing flashes, but it's just not there on a consistent basis. I think the tenacity just has to get to another level where Karras is making you know offensive players fear him that he's going to get in there with his hands and force a steal. Yeah, absolutely. We, we really wanted to make an impact on that end of the floor. That is for sure. Uh, Nick Claxton not playing tonight, Nick, because DeAndre Jordan was back. DJ, how did he go? Yeah, it looked a little rusty in certain spots. You know, early in the game when he like first came in, he got hit in, the, hit in his injured finger with the ball, so that didn't help things. But I thought he looked pretty spry, maybe too spry because he went up for a block attempt. Elbow came down on Garrett Temple's head, gave him 15 stitches, and Garrett Temple said he had to shave off his left eyebrow to get the stitches. Oh, man, I don't know if uh, the presidency is going to look good for, for Mr. President himself, Garrett Temple. He's a suave man. Hopefully it doesn't affect uh, any of his looks. He's a good-looking dude as well. Very handsome team the Brooklyn Nets have. How was Garrett Temple? Now, you know, 10 points, 
you know, five assists, 24 minutes, three or six from the field, hit two or five from three, got to the free throw line a little bit. I think this is the sort of line, and stat line. Yeah, the exact role that you want to see from him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just felt like this is what we can expect from Garrett Temple. Wasn't anything too crazy. You know, solid defensively, hit a couple threes, you know, moved the ball with his passing, had five assists tonight. You know, I like the game from Temple. I'm sorry that DeAndre took off his eyebrow, but it was a good game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't need those eyebrows. They only function. They're not, they're, there's no function that they actually serve. It's like male nipples. Um, <laughs> but I would be remiss uh, in ending a podcast with you without asking about Joey Buckets. And he seems to be struggling a little bit from the three-point line. I honestly think Joe Harris is injured. I think that he has... Okay. Some, I think he's something's up with his back. Maybe it's like, a, you know... A, I don't want to say a stress fracture, but maybe it's like a herniated disc because it looks like he's, you know, laboring to run sometimes. Like he's just not running smoothly. His three ball was off tonight. He hit the one at the end of the game that mattered, but, you know, he was probably wide open on four of those threes. And it's just weird watching him consistently miss wide open threes. It just feels like something is off with his game right now. Yeah, Joe Harris missing threes is almost unheard of. I mean, I I'd open one is what's crazy. Yeah, and, you know, we did obviously hear a few weeks ago about, you know, the the sort of back injury and uh, back injuries are notoriously tough to sort of push through. And I mean, when you're a basketball player and you are putting stress on that back by running back and forth, back and forth and jumping up and down and contorting your body in so many ways and the, the back is, it holds everything together. So it'll be interesting to see whether we see maybe a little bit of rest games from Joe Harris because the toy and princess form has improved and maybe that allows Carol Silvert to get back in. Maybe, I wouldn't hate this. Then Now, I'm, I'm sure you would probably advocate for this as well, Nick. Maybe Carol Silvert should be starting and then, they sh- and then Kenny should be looking to stagger those minutes a little bit and bring Joe Harris off the bench. Is that a crazy thought? No, I don't think it's crazy. I was thinking about getting Joe out of the starting lineup too, just to get him some more rest or get him some more minutes with Spence and not have him have to guard small forwards. And even maybe swapping in Wilson Chandler and moving okay. Torian Prince to the small forward. I don't mind Karras Avert, though. We've kind of talked about it before. You know, Karras can have a be- an easier job defending threes than Joe Harris. He's a little bit longer, a little bit more athletic. So I'm not opposed to it. I do think it's just more of an injury thing, and he just might need rest or something might end up healing over a couple weeks. Why didn't we see Rodion's courts tonight, Nick? It's a great question. I will touch on Wilson Chandler, though, before I touch on Rodion's. I thought sure. Chandler was good in this game. You know, stats aren't amazing. You know, didn't hit his threes, but defense still had to respect him to an extent. And it just always seems like he comes up with a solid rebound. You know, a rebound where, like, you know, if it was Torian Prince in there or, you know, the Nets were even going smaller or something like that, the player wouldn't necessarily want to dive in against Andre Drummond. Wilson Chandler's not scared, and that's one thing I appreciate. And I think his veteran presence has an impact, especially communicating, and even defensively, he's not necessarily fast, but fundamentally, fundamentally, he does make some nice moves out there. And Rodion's, I'm not really sure why he didn't play. It's just Kenny. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's Rodion's courts hasn't played poorly in any of the games that we have seen. It's not like he's the way he's playing is throwing him out of the rotation. So it's, and I think the Detroit Pistons matchup is generally a nice one for him. They do have a lot of sort of physical guys, you know, these Tony Snell types and then these Bruce Brown types where you can sort of chuck him out there and he can just be an athletic sort of energy dude. So, I mean, you know, who knows when we'll see him again. Hopefully it is soon. But, you know, Wilson Chandler, I think that the the veteran presence, you know, generally Coach Kenny is sort of looking for those sort of guys out there, guys with a little bit more defensive nous and a bit more physicality. But, you know, Rodion's courts has sparked this team in in so many different ways. And, you know, if TLC is only playing seven minutes, give those seven minutes to Rodion's courts, please. I mean, he's on a 10 I think, 
TLC really only came in when Garrett Temple was out. Yeah, and obviously guard for guard, like for like. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that the rigidity in terms of, you know, I think Renan's Crooks doesn't fit a prototypical mold of a position play. Like you've mentioned before plenty of times, like he can guard from two to four and, man, and even some bigger point guards as well. And, you know, the other night we were seeing Wilson Chandler at the five and Renan's Crooks play a little bit of five. So he has that, that, that ability to do different things on the floor. And his three ballers look great of late. So I, I don't know why. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, Kenny going to Kenny at the end of the day. Was there any other key takeaways from this performance, Nick? Not necessarily. Just touched on Rodion's real quick. I agree, though, with his size in this matchup. I would have been happy to see him play or even get some minutes with Claxon next to Jordan because, you know, they do have a decently sized lineup out there. They have a little bit of toughness. You know, match it. You don't have to send all your undersized guys out there to bang on a regular basis. Yeah, and then I think in that sort of sense, the imagination, we do see Kenny like to stick to the nine-man rotation. He doesn't like to really go further than ten but nine is, is generally where he likes that number to be. But even tonight, you know, Kyrie Irving was led the team in minutes with 33. No other guy was had more than 29. So I think that the ability to have that flexibility, there's only so minutes, many minutes that can go around. It's a tough job to be a coach, but um, we want to see Rudy. We want to see Claxton. These guys are impacting the game in positive ways. And especially over this sort of run. Yes, the, we really need to bank some wins and, and give ourselves a, a little bit of an extension and hopefully get to that seventh seed and, and beyond. Now, if that were to even happen, I'd highly doubt it. But at least give ourselves a little bit of leeway because, you know, the Chicago Bulls are certainly breathing down our necks as well. But no other takeaways from this one, Nick. Just a, a solid next performance and, and another a win to, to put away into the W uh, and hopefully, you know, build some momentum heading into this mini stretch where there'll be plenty of winnable games. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a solid win. Detroit's not a great team. We just beat them recently. Obviously, this was a little bit easier. I think there were some boosts necessarily on the chemistry and communication side. Will they carry over? We don't know. And just touching on one point you mentioned, I think wins really do matter because the difference between the seventh and eighth seed is really an opportunity going to the next round. Because if you get that eighth seed, even if Kevin Durant were to come back, you know, you can't really expect to beat the Bucks. But if you get that seventh seed, you feel a lot more confident going against the likes of Miami, Toronto, Boston, Indiana, or Philadelphia, where you at least have a chance to win. Yeah, we, we're, I think when you've got a Kyrie Irving out there, you've got Spencer Dimley playing like an all-star as well. You know, there aren't, I think the Nets guard rotation is, we've mentioned it before, a real strength of ours. And if we can find a way to for these guys to, you know, if you see Kyrie and, and Spencer getting 20 points plus every night, the Nets are certainly going to be in most performances. Yeah, and they have one of their shooters knock down the shots, and Torian Prince or Joe yep. Harris. I think you have that trio type of things where two of your three guards play well, and then one of your two shooters plays well, and then one of your two bigs plays well. You know, it gives the Nets options where they don't have to depend on somebody to be really good every night, where, hey, this guy can step up in this role. We will see, Nick. Hopefully that continues. Hopefully the Nets' win streak does continue as well. Yes, sir. As always, a pleasure, Jack. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.